นโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอะหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะอุดังดัมมังสังฆังนัมสามิที่จะรู้จักแต่ก็เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการเลือกตั้งที่เป็นการ
you know, truth doesn't get expressed as one thing, it gets expressed in the paradoxes and the play between relative truths. <laughs> when you hold the two together, you get the sense of, you know, there's a support and there's an empathy and a resonance and something you can trust, but also you have got to do it. And you can take that model, you know, in your, in your life, you know, so in your commitment to marriage or something like that, for one point, one time, you actually just close down a whole load of options, suddenly disappear, <laughs> boom, you know, you say, okay, this one, and maybe that's gonna, not going to work out, it's going to change over five years, it's going to be a struggle, whatever it is, but then you, you make in your individual sense of daring, and yet it's always something that you trust, and you, you've got a reasonable amount of trust in it, um, so that you can learn from it, and then you work with it. A sense of initiative uh, is really very important, and how it how it gets lost, you know. It's something over when the whole problem of of stability, which on a relative sense is useful, because then it's something you can keep coming back to again and again and again. Okay. You know, so it's with your particular person, okay, she's this, right, I've got to work with this, I've got to work with that. Or in a monastery it's like this, you know, you start to learn what what challenges you, what bores you, what irritates you, and what, what you get your sense of encouragement and friendship from. Then it's great, as long as you can keep that sense of resonating with it. But sometimes you can just kind of lose that quality, you don't really meet it anymore, you don't you just kind of drift in it and then it becomes completely lacking in resonance and it's just dreary um, so this is something that can happen and something is actually you know not all of us is about waking up that's for sure <laughs> you know we're all kinds of systems and processes and mechanisms it, op- operating with a human being a lot of it's not about waking up. You know, the basic model is basically, you know, survival, food, procreation. Keep, you know, that's that's the main. Those are the main mess, main programs you're getting from the sensory world, the sensory realm which we inherit as humans. The only bit that's about waking up is that particular aspect that humans have to actually step back and reflect. Wisdom aspect. They can actually. Hey, what's happening? What's this about? What's going on? What's, is this right? Is this wrong? Is it good? Is it bad? That's the bit. That's the bit you always want to develop. So you don't actually ever lose that question and inquiry, that turn it over, that initiative, that sense of, do I believe in this? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it, what am I doing? You know, otherwise you fall asleep. And so monasteries are, are not about liberation, they're about create, they're about um, certain sense of stability of context based on virtue and generosity, good, good one, but it's not about liberation. Um, Sangha life is not about liberation, it's about um, living as mendicants, training that way. Liberation is an individual pros- individual possibility and uh, you know, a lot of people in you get monasticism as a kind of as a thing in its own right that tends to 
people can nod off in, <laughs> fall asleep in, or get kind of fussy over details or try to make more of them than it really is. It's really only something you want to actually use as you would any kind of commitment to check out what you're doing and where you get stuck and where you get lazy and where you get greedy and demanding or righteous or conceited or whatever it is. And, okay. And then where you can find your own initiative, your own traction with it. It's like that. So you always got to be on, on the lookout for the value and the pitfalls of stability. The value of it is giving you something you can get some reference from because it's there day after day. And the uh, so it's kind of, you know, reference point. But then the, the negative aspect of it is that something in the mind actually wants to just kind of rest into stability and, and make it comfortable and not have to be not have to be bothered, you know. Not have to kind of keep reflecting that all stability is really only relative. It's the mind's habit is to is to create stability. Yeah. We know it because we get disappointed when things change. When things you know, sometimes you get absolutely really really hurt when things some things change, when things break down, somebody dies, things go wrong at work, whatever, you know, really upset. But you know, because you had a particular idea it was going to be like this and you're going in a certain direction with it. And you know, we bought into it. And um, it, it's not going to do that. And certainly in monasteries, you know, you go through phases of the kind of inspirational beginning it and setting everything up and working from scratch and some old dumpy building that you start fixing up and which is kind of fun in a way you know eight people sharing a room 25 people sharing a shower <laughs> that kind of thing having to get on and things being a bit there's a kind of sense of pioneering vigor that comes with that and enthusiasm and then you go into, you know, the feeling of it, because you get that kind of energy because you're high. And you think, this is really the great thing you're doing, great thing you're doing. And then, of course, it, it, there's a, it's a feeling of, well, well when, once we get it really settled, this is going to be good. You know, I'm quite, you know, they start a new monastery somewhere. This is going to be different. This is going to be better. This is going to be the one that's really, really top notch, you know. <laughs> and that's kind of it's inter- inspiring, interesting. You know, this is where we get rid of all those things we didn't like about the last place. <laughs> you know, and yeah, after five years, it's sort of the problems come, and uh, you know, things don't work out the way we wanted them to. 
or you've got kind of kinds of projects you're continually snowed under with projects and things you have to work out and sort out and then you try the best you can to get it going and then something you know the place falls apart you know your project gets knocked out or you lose your position or something of that nature that's pretty much the same with career isn't it really you know Obviously, we start a, some careers are vocational. You start with this feeling that you really want to do something good and useful, and it can bring out the best from you. And then after a while, it gets kind of drudging, and you work and you practice with that, and you make efforts with that, and then you struggle with that, and you build up something, and then you know, it goes wrong. My brother here built up his business and he built up his business the friend of his used to work for him he made him his partner and they worked together for 20 odd years and uh, being a small business it means you you work all the time it's like seven day a week he didn't have a holiday he didn't have a break for seven da- seven years seven days a week seven years <laughs> never never a break and always First one up in the morning, making sure everything is all right. Last person to bed in the evening, making sure everything is all right. Doing the books, doing the accounts, getting things prepared, looking after everybody, all this kind of thing. And building it up and so forth. And then one day he found out his, his fellow he brought in his partner, his partner decided he, he, would, he was going to sell out. He'd sold his half of the business to this rival company. So he basically just... Stabbed my brother in the back. <laughs> that was the end of the business. 20, 25 years or so. Mm, collapse. Uh, so that's kind of that's what it, where it can go, can't it? And uh, careers, businesses, in monasteries, you can get big quarrels in them. They fall apart. Or spirit goes. But then, so none of this stuff. You know, the feeling, oh, I don't deserve it, it shouldn't be this way, it's this, that, this, that. But actually, you know, I think the problem is our emotional reactions to things. It's all because that's what, that's, where you think, that's what things do. They break up. You know, they get sick and break up. So he's asking about a person, you know, killing themselves, committing suicide, terrible. You know, young person killing themselves. Saying, well, you know, do you think it's because of past karma? This, I said, no, I think he just, don't know, he just killed himself, got unhappy, depressed, people can kill themselves. That's what people, kind of thing people can do. Well, do you think he's gone somewhere better? You know, do you, yeah, I don't know. All you know is he killed himself. And, um, you know, somebody's trying to kind of place it in a, in a, or we're still connected in some way and you can, you know, help him from the other shore. He's gone beyond and you can just, well, I don't know about that either. Really, maybe you can. Won't do him, won't do you any harm. But the feeling is left with is it shouldn't be this way, and it, it's what should we do about it? And it, it's not according to the plan, or 
you know, everybody should live to be, you know, how old do you have to be before death isn't a tragedy? 150? This <laughs> 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 is some kind of set piece that we're all supposed to go through and then, you know, age of 92, and the 92nd birthday, everybody just happily drifts off in their sleep. That would be fair, wouldn't it? No, it's not like that. You get, you know, which nasty disease would you like? <laughs> cancer. <laughs> which one? Cancer. Kidney failure. You know, they're all rotten. <laughs> they're horrible, as far as I can see. And it's not fair. But the, but it is what happens. And the thing is, it's really our emotional wish for things to be tidy or orderly or neat or progressive or comfortable or appropriate or in you know I'd like to die when all my you know sort everything out. Can't I've got time to die now, I've still got to fix my house and no, it just, it just happens. So you always want to look at that sense of order and stability and big picture and the way it you know and you know, what are you doing? Um, what are you relying upon? Hmm? Mind kind of casts this image of something. The idea is to get through this, see ones, you know, that in us, which we all have, I have, you know, that, that would like things to be steady and comfortable and happy and agreeable and stable and guaranteed and everything's fine you know sit back just cruise along so 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 so, like that kind of thing Mm. you know how that weakens us what can be developed is this ability to reflect, to let go, and to develop uh, out of this realm, to develop the kind of spiritual faculties that are going to, you are, that are going to be reliable. You get them through relating, through responding, through your experience to, to, to what you're with, through your awareness of it, and your investigation of it and using it to investigate where one is resisting or hanging back or fearful or uh, pushy or demanding or grasping you know just see these and just keep seeing them and letting them go that requires continual inquiry investigation and a lot of it means making many many mistakes and learning from it It's a gamble, it's a risk. But, you know, this is the chance we have for awakening. Most of us, most of what we're about isn't about that. So you just got this particular faculty, you know, that you can develop. That's one's opportunity. First, it doesn't seem like very much. 
it's the ability to kind of step back, to be mindful, to witness, to look into. But you build it up. Because uh, once you start to purify, the first thing is you purify, you get stable about your sense of morality. And that automatically throws into highlight the places where you know, you get harsh, verbally harsh, or gossiping, or backbiting, or snappy, or, you know, putting people down. You start to see this, it stands out, you know. Whereas if you don't really take virtue seriously, um, then it doesn't stand out. If it's kind of, well, I can do the best you can, you know. You know, take it really seriously because you know you take it seriously not because you want to just conform to something, but because you really want to see qualities in 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 the human mind, in our minds, that perhaps are not so clear. Often, a lot of things are not terribly, really, viciously evil. They're just kind of petty-minded or grumbly or um, grasping or um, distractive. You know, and you start to really take take virtue seriously, and then you get the, you get the v- feedback from it. You know, you see what's unworthy, and you can let go of that, and you can feel the quality of a kind of brightness of mind. That's the result of it. This is something that pe- all of us can do. You know, it's a kind of really basic thing. We can all do this, and it does mean, of course, owning up to those those strands, those energies that uh, perhaps are unconscious, not deliberate, they're just reflexes or reactions or things we've picked up or whatever that, that really stand out. You can feel the kind of blur of passion, you know, the, the covetousness, the hanging on, the covetousness and the, and the uh, or the, the, the vengefulness or the, that which wants to kind of, you know, put somebody else down or make somebody else look small hmm? you see that and we can do so you kind of keep something like that you see you look at why it's useful to have a sense of path is because you know you think like something like Nibbana or awakening it's such a big picture big concept that you know you, what do you What's the, what is that anyway? You know, can you get some? Can you get some reflection of something like that? But you can get reflection off of virtue, and you get reflection on off of things like, uh, um, you know, renunciation. That is really looking at what you need and measuring it against what you want. And saying, just stay with what you need. Be clear about that. Want, if you follow want, it gets bigger and bigger. If you follow need, it gets smaller. <laughs> That's the difference between them. You know, whatever the words are. You know, want tends to multiply because it's all about fantasy. Need is just comes make you down to rock rock bottom stuff, you know, that you're very clear about. 
And the really the skill in separating that is is what renunciation is about. Yeah. So it's not just about when you develop it. It's not just about um, sensory things, but also what do you need in your life? Yeah. What do you really need in your life? You need your integrity. Yeah. You need your sense of initiative. You need your ability to reflect. Right? That's what you really need. Otherwise, you know, you're really a goner. <laughs> you're a goner. You get caught up in everything. You get used by things if you don't have those. Yeah? Those, you've got your integrity, you've got the ability to reflect, you've got virtue. Then, you know, you, you've got something you can, you can measure yourself with, how things are for you, and something you can trust and rely upon, because they, they are coming from yourself, from your wisdom faculty. They're not something that comes through some system or belief. They come from your own you know, reflective capacity purity and that's what you really need we all need and that is the basic seed you might say or the core around which this whole process of of purification occurs and I think purification is a very good way metaphor like all languages to talk about you know Buddhist path path of awakening it's purification means it's a, sh- a shedding off, a distillation of essence, you might say, or purification starts in terms of virtue, but that's only the beginning of it. Then it's purification of mind, so the mind becomes very even, and stable and steady, it's not ragged, it's not got all kinds of um, fireworks going on it, you suddenly blow up about something, it's not got black holes in it where you fall down pits, you know, it's it's kind of steady and and it's pure in that respect. It's unbroken. You know, and so that, you know that's what you develop through meditation and virtue. And through that, you gain a sense of purity, which is about um, freedom from doubt. You really know what you're doing. You know what you've got. But to become purification, so that there's a purification of the mind, purification in terms of doubt, is you've got to keep checking the things you assume or our assumptions, how many of them are really valid, true. So purification so that you're not, um, you know for sure because you checked it out. So that's very important. How much we, we follow fairly, you know, Kind of all sorts of biases, unquestioningly. Something in us 
favours of kind of slavery. <laughs> you just kind of follow along with what, what's happening. Yeah. We follow along in terms of um, physical sensations, follow along in terms of mental energies. Yeah. Follow along in terms of what's, what <coughs> seems uh, comfortable or easy. You know, then, then check it out. You know, how how tired? How? What's energy about? You know, you, so you, sometimes you get a sense of you're feeling a bit tired. And, this that and the other. So, oh, I don't want this. I notice sometimes I'd be sitting, and I start to my mind might get into some difficult area. You know about what the future or complexities, and I suddenly feel really sleepy. <laughs> I feel real need to go to sleep. <laughs> it's like anaesthetic comes in the nervous system, so it's into something uncomfortable topic of thought. I can't manage, I feel this real need to either go to sleep or do something. You know, get up and do something. You know, it's almost like the system doesn't want to be in the un- uncomfortable place or be aware of that discomfort. So either go to sleep, get busy so I just noticed that where did that one come from and they're all completely completely uh, um, they sound so so justifiable they all sound so so they're so convincing I really get the feeling of sleepiness dullness or it says oh it's enough for today or oh I better get up and do something you know they kind of is I mean, what happens if I just wait until that reflex passes and then go move or see what happens then? Just wait till that reflex passes, see what happens then. So you take initiative with the uh, terms of where one's one's own wiring and even in meditation you take initiative meditation again is something where you can get really sleepy I mean not necessarily physically sleepy but but dull attitude it can be like a comforter to sit in something that you're familiar with and Right, you know, and you get that kind of sense of, you know, meditate for an hour or an hour and a half or whatever, and it becomes another piece of, of ritual. We we just do, and then just trying to check out what you, what what do you do when you meditate? What do you mean by meditate? Hmm? What do you expect? Does it have to be quiet? Sometimes it's, you know, go and do some walking meditation or, you know, it gets this particularly monastic life, you tend to get into routines and then it's the feeling of, oh well, it's this time of day, therefore, you know, you do this, that or the other. And this sort of, actually there's quite a lot of space in life at Chithurst. <coughs> Often we have afternoons where it's up to you what you do or days when it's up to you what you do. And that's really... Uh, that's part of it, you know. 
yeah, there are routines, but actually there are big, big gaps. And uh, then what do you want to do with that? Where do you go? Where do I go? So I can be a kind of workaholic, go into doing my duties and working, planning, or, you know, something else. Now maybe go and do some walking meditation, something he doesn't want to do, walking meditation, going up and down a path, you know, or, you know, it starts wanting to have some experience happen. But actually sometimes it's just, just, just getting up and doing something, you know, just breaking the habit of expectation. Just getting, like, physical, you know, physical movement, doing physical movement. Sometimes I do physical exercise. Just to, um, just to, to, to not, to just change energy around. Change the energy around. When it gets stale, gets humdrum, gets, uh, the mind starts to go into another day, you know, and start looking at clocks and think of times, then break it up. Take initiative. You take initiative even within a meditation theme like mindfulness of breathing, where you can get kind of, you know, quite dull with. But then you start to check out when you're doing mindfulness of breathing, where is the breathing? And you feel it in certain parts of your body, maybe in your, obviously in the respiratory tract or the abdomen or the nose or the throat. You say, well, what's happening when you breathe in and breathe out? What's happening? in the top of the chest, what's happening if you focus on the in-breath, what's happening in the places between the breaths, what's hap- can, can the breath be slower, do you need that much breath, could you, could you take less, you know, what's really needed here, where, where does the breathing pattern become automatic and where do you actually start to investigate it and work with it, what happens if it's slower, what happens if you focus on energies that move down your body when you breathe in and breathe out moves down your legs, what happens when you focus on the whole toning up of the nervous system when you breathe in and breathe out, or feeling what happens in your head, behind your eyes, when you breathe in and breathe out, breathing in long, breathing in short, so you you just keep exploring it, Um, just for the sense of, of not becoming soporific, dull with it, which is, of course, the real, one of the main hindrances that happens with anything that you use as a form. When your mind gets dull, it starts to lose its freshness and it starts to, you know, want solutions, want results, want answers, or want comfort. It starts to do the whole stability business all over again. But there is a point you know, it's not about just being continually restless, but there's a particular point when the the mind's interest is bright and the form is something that you've infused with that brightness. Like the meditation itself will only be bright, as bright as you are. You know, it's, it's a kind of a, uh, a net, you might say. It's like having a breathing thing, is like a, a kind of form, and you infuse it with your own 
brightness, your own initiative, your own inquiry, and it starts then it starts to feed that back. So it's not the breathing, it's the the mind's response to breathing, the mind's work with the breathing is what will give a sense of of brightness. That then means that the breathing you can you can let go of it. You know, you don't actually it disappears, you're just left with the brightness, the brightness of awareness. And that's that's the way the Buddha taught it. You come clear through some and you see a lot of these you know, the thought process, but also the very kind of um, programs of the mind to want to just, you know, not bother or have things worked out in advance. So a lot of the time with um, meditators, one of the hindrances comes up as all want to know, you know, the, the technique, what do you do if, what do you do if, what do you do if, and a feeling that, you know, you, your lack of confidence that you've got to have somebody tell you exactly what you do all the time and they've got it right. Well, the Buddha didn't teach like that. And that was the Buddha, who was supposed to be the greatest teacher, and he didn't teach like that. <laughs> because the point is that, is that, you know, that, you, that you've got to do it yourself. That's the teaching. And you've got to learn yourself. That's the teaching. It's not a te- it's not a teaching that's supposed to just make you sit back and go passive and be spoon fed. It's a teaching that says, "This stuff is good. Rely, work with it, and you can work with it. It's not against the rules to work with it. You know, it's not some, doing something wrong by challenging, questioning, turning it around, looking at it another way, making a mistake or two. That's not wrong. That's the process, because it's your brightness." your inquiry that's going to bring it alive, then you'll get the results. The results, it'll, it'll be given back to you. you. You're in a way, you're given back your own purity, amplified by what you've brought it into. That's the, that's the point of a form. It means something that can hold and resonate and give you back what you bring into it, and it gives it back tenfold. That's something you want. That's what training's about. You know, in a monastery, outside a monastery, whatever, however you're training, you use some particular commitment. You work with it, and if and it's something that then it will give you back what you put into it, clearer, cleaner, bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And it will clean out some of the kind of assumptions or the pettiness or the small small bits, you know, the fussing over details or the doubt or the need for security. It will, it will bring it back to you. And then you can let go of it. You know? When I say let go of it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's this... Um, kind of phrase that's sometimes used in the suttas to describe the awakened one is someone who in the presence of earth, air, fire, water, um, boundless space, boundless consciousness, sphere of nothingness, is in that, but not percipient of it. That is, it doesn't, you know, you're both in it, but not being affected by it. 
you're in it and yet not of it. So it's not you're not going somewhere else, but what you're aware of, what your awareness is attuned to, is its own purity within the form, the convention, the tradition, the system, the technique, the relationship. You're aware of your own purity, amplified, consummated, and given back. So this is what we practice in a way to re almost to discover ourselves or to rediscover ourselves, to clear, to crystallize something that in a way we already have and yet we can overlook. Uh, and then it's up to us to to um, have the confidence in that and also the initiative to to work with it. Mm. So, offer this for your reflection.